0: it's Chris Freeland, and you're listening to the Doxology Bible Church Podcast. If you want to know more about who we are or learn to connect with us, please visit doxology.church. Most of all, we hope the following message will help you take the next step in your faith journey, whatever it is.
1: In scripture, it says that Stephen looked up to heaven and he saw God, and he saw Jesus standing next to his father, looking at him which was confirmation that in this moment, when Stephen is dying, he saw Jesus. And that was exactly what I needed to hear so that I could know that when whatever was happening to Molly, that she knew that he was with her and that in an instant from the moment she was alive to the moment she died, she was in the arms of Jesus. And and that's what I carried with me to help quiet the fears that would come up in my mind, she wasn't alone. He was with her in that moment, and she has been with him ever since that moment. Doxology Bible Church is proud to present EverStory, launching wherever you listen to podcasts on June 6th. Every story is a weekly, seasonal podcast featuring Christ-centered stories of hope and transformation told by people just like you. No chit-chat, just raw, powerful stories. Stories inspire us to connect with each other in real, tangible ways. With stories, we're able to glorify a God who relentlessly pursues us. Mark 16.15 tells us to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. Stories embody who we are as Christians. Without them, Paul's letters would have never been shared. Without stories, a person with Christ in their heart might never find the courage to bring the word to their neighbor. Without stories, the Great Commission never occurs. Check in with us often as we introduce stories about the way Jesus' radical love is moving in truly awesome ways. Find every story wherever you listen to podcasts. Also follow doxology bible church on facebook or instagram at doxology bible want to share your story or know someone who might send us an email to stories at doxology.church because everyone has a story
0: hey it's chris freeland and you're listening to the doxology bible church podcast If you want to know more about who we are or learn to connect with us, please visit doxology.church. Most of all, we hope the following message will help you take the next step in your faith journey, whatever it is. Prophet Isaiah wrote about Good Friday 700 years before it happened. I want you to hear what he said. Who's believed our message? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like the root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we would desire him. He was despised, rejected by mankind. A man of suffering. Familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain, bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Hang on, hang on. I I got to tell you a story. When I was eight years old and he was six, my little brother and I decided that it would be fun to share a room, to convert the other room in our house to a playroom where we could keep all of our toys. It just so happened that we had the kind of beds that could be easily made into bunk beds. So we asked mom and dad if it was okay, and they said it it wouldn't be too difficult for them. So they did, and they went into the room and began to assemble those bunk beds. But mom and dad knew, rightly, that this would probably be a temporary solution for an eight-year-old and six-year-old. They judged accurately It wouldn't be too long until we got tired of each other and wanted our own rooms back. So uh, they moved the bunk beds into the same room and set them up. They took some pictures off of the wall, but they left the nails in the wall. So that uh, when the time inevitably came, when we couldn't stand being in the same room together again, they could move us back to separate rooms, hang the pictures right back where they came from. They didn't have to measure, didn't have to work. They could just go right back where they were supposed to go. The first night in the new room came, and being the older brother, naturally, I got the top bunk. When bedtime came, I climbed up the ladder and I got into the top bunk, and it was awesome. I mean, on on one side was a rail that led right to the ground, and so it wasn't as if I had anything to fear. The other side was up against the wall, mostly. Don't get ahead of me. At some point in the middle of the night, I rolled over towards the wall, and I began to slip through that crack between the bed and the wall. And I woke up just in time to know I was falling, but not in time to catch myself. It was a nail in the wall that caught me instead, right on the side of the knee, and it was hammered into a stud, so when I fell, the nail didn't budge, and I hung there. Upside down with a nail in my knee for what seemed like an eternity. It was really probably just a matter of seconds before gravity won. And the flesh in my knee lost. The big part of the nail filleted the flesh on my knee as I fell all the way to the ground. You, you realize what just happened, right? I, I read Isaiah chapter 53. You, you know what it's about. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. It's going to go on and say he was slaughtered. He was afflicted. He suffered. And when you read it, it's just so casual. Isn't it? And I don't know if you've been on Facebook today, but so many of you and and, and me have posted things on Facebook about Good Friday, and and Jesus was crucified for our sins, and and nails in his hands and his feet and a spear in his side, and we just scroll through, don't we? Ho-hum. But then I told you a story you weren't expecting about a time when a nail pierced my skin. And I got an owie. And some of you, as you pictured it, I watched you physically recoiled. What's happened to us? I wonder if it's possible that we've gotten calloused to the cross. I mean, we wear crosses around our necks. We use them as symbols in our buildings. We put them on our cars. That's okay. We do it so we'll remember. But I just can't help but wondering sometimes if we've remembered so much we've forgotten. Crucifixion, the cross was was a heinous event, the blood loss, the suffocation. The dehydration, the almost instant infection from the place that those non sterile rusty nails punctured the skin. For Jesus, that was only after he'd been beaten and whipped. And his skin laid open, exposing the flesh and the muscle and the tendons and the nerve endings. It was agony that most of the time went on for days. In fact, the the Romans reserved this type of execution only for their worst offenders, at least in their minds, because they couldn't possibly think of a worse way for someone to die than to be tortured for a period of days before their life finally ran out. That's how Jesus was killed. We can't forget We can't allow ourselves to be anesthetized to that. Because if we allow ourselves to be anesthetized to the cross, we'll never understand the power of the point God was making. Looking at the cross, God wanted to show us the cost of sin. Sins anything that falls short of God's standard of perfection. And as early as Genesis chapter 3, we find out that there's not a hierarchy when it comes to the kind of sin that can separate people like you and me from God. Eating a, a f- piece of fruit that God said not to eat will separate you from him just as much as murdering, uh, murdering your brother because the, the, the problem isn't the act, the problem is the heart. And a heart that falls short willingly of God's standard of perfection, a heart that willingly disobeys, is a heart that says, I'd be a better God than God. God says that's the worst kind of sin. It's the only kind of sin. It deserves the worst kind of death. At the cross, God's showing us how serious he is about sin. And if we get callous to the cross, we'll become cavalier about the cost. We'll just begin to talk about falling short of God's standard as little mistakes that we make. Some moment of of, of indiscretion, a slip-up, something that that God will surely overlook over and over and over. The Bible says that the cross gives us a God's eye view the seriousness of sin. And surely, surely, if God planned to overlook sin, the time for him to overlook it was the time when his son was hanging on a cross, when his son had taken it on himself. You received a piece of paper tonight as you came in. In a few moments, we're, we're going to sing We're going to do something that we do on a regular basis at McKinney every Good Friday. It's sort of a tradition for us. You're going to take that piece of paper and write something on it that Jesus took to the cross for you. And it may be that tonight, as you reflect on what it is that Jesus took to the cross for you, the thing that you'll write on that piece of paper, something that previously you thought of as no big deal. Just a little mistake, just a little slip-up that God says is worth the cross. See, when we allow ourselves to forget the cross, we become cavalier about the cost of sin. We can't miss the point that God was trying to make. The second thing that God shows us is the price of love. When you look at the brutal, bloody cross of Jesus, you see the price of love. If you've ever wondered whether or not God cares about you, you ever wondered about whether or not he cares about your brokenness or your pain or your guilt, all you have to do is look at the cross and the pierced hands of Jesus. Do the pierced hands of Jesus Do the outstretched arms of Jesus, the the body of Jesus that was beaten and bloodied and disfigured, look like a God who doesn't care? When we allow ourselves to look at the cross, we see the price of love. It isn't just that God cares about you, it's that He did something about it. Jesus didn't die just to take those things away. He also gives us his life in return. Isaiah says it for us. He was punished so that we could have his peace. He took the punishment we deserved so that we could have the peace he deserved. He took the stripes we deserved so that we could be whole like he deserved. He took what we deserved and gives us what he deserved. That's love. The truth is, the greater the sacrifice, the deeper the love. Isn't that true? And any husband who's ever had to buy his wife a gift knows that the deeper the sacrifice, the greater the demonstration of love. And when we get callous to the cross, we cheapen the sacrifice. The cross is more than just a, a cheap greeting card that says, love ya, Jesus, on the inside. It's more than just a last-minute gift that Jesus picked up on his way to heaven because he realized that he hadn't gotten us anything. It's a gift that involved an extraordinary sacrifice, an unimaginable pain, a brutal slaughter that you and I deserved. Some of us need a reminder tonight that we are truly and completely loved. And when it comes time for you to remember what it is that Jesus took on that piece of paper, what he took to the cross, for some of you, the thing that you'll write down is the thing that if anybody else saw it, and they won't, they would think it seemed awfully general. But you know it's the thing that has made you feel unlovable, that that you thought made you unreachable. Jesus took to a cross for you and for me. And as you remember the cross and think of the nails, you get a chance to be reminded of the price of love. The last thing is that when we find ourselves callous to the cross, we run the risk of missing the value of grace. Here's what I mean by that. So many of us have just added Jesus and added Jesus' death on the cross to a host of other things that we're trying to do to make God happy. We try harder. We're going to do better. We're going to start over. We're going to turn over a new leaf. We're going to become a better person, all to make God happy. And if that doesn't work, I've got Jesus on a cross as a backup plan. When we see the cross as a sterile pain-free cost-free event when we get over it it's easy to see and understand why we just see it as a safety net if everything else that we're trusting in falls through when we get to heaven but when we look harder when we allow it to cause us to wince just a little bit to cringe just a little bit, we realize that the cross isn't just part of the answer. It's the only answer. Would Jesus have died this kind of death if there was another way to make God happy? Jesus died on a cross to bring us to God, not to provide us with another option. Tonight, some of us need to remember that God took our try harder, do better religion and nailed it to a cross. We found ourselves just trying to keep the rules to make God happy. We find our whole life trying to pay for a gift that Jesus already purchased, like eternal life is just a loan that we got with really great terms. That's not the cross. And when we understand the seriousness of his death, only then can we understand the value of his grace. A relationship with Jesus isn't Jesus plus, it's just Jesus. Jesus didn't die a brutal death on a cross to be one of the options. He died because there was no other way. Here in a moment, we're going to have some time to reflect to reflect on the cross and all it pictures, to think about the cost of our sin, to think about the price of his love and the value of his grace. And as we reflect, I just want to encourage you to think about what it is that maybe you've overlooked that Jesus took to his cross. And I want to invite you to, to write that down on the piece of paper you received as you came in. There are pins stuck to the chairs right in front of you on some Velcro if you need one of those as you think. And Stephanie's going to sing a, a song that allows us to reflect. And then after she's sung and we've reflected, we're going to all sing together. And the worship team is going to lead us in this. So just follow their lead and and go where they go. But we're going to have an opportunity. There are two crosses laid right up here at either side. And I just want to encourage you in that moment, after the worship team leads the way, to move towards the center and come down one of these three or four center aisles and make your way towards the nearest cross towards you. And to take that piece of paper and sing while you stand in line. Then when it's your turn... Uh, to nail that to the cross as a reminder of what he took to the cross for you. And then after you've done that, if you would go along that outer wall and back toward your seat, there'll be some guys that are there that are serving communion. And I just want to invite you to to grab one of those cups that's got a piece of bread and a, a cup full of grape juice. And whether it's with your family who's there with you or a community group that you're here with, or a group of friends, or it's just you, I want to invite you in that moment to remember. Don't wait for everybody to take it. Just take it in that moment or when you get back to your seat. But here's what I want you to remember. Jesus told his guys on the night before he was crucified, as he took the piece of bread, this is my body broken for you. Don't rush past that in this moment. He took a glass of wine. We've got grape juice. And he said, this is my blood poured out for you. Don't run past that. But remember. Remember the cost. Remember the price. Remember the value. Chisel away the calluses. Think about it anew. And remember. Remember. This is is for anyone who's here, who's connected with Christ, who, who has seen the cross as a personal statement from God to them, who has said before God, I believe that it's true, I believe that it's for me, and I've trusted Jesus as my only option. And if that's not you tonight, it can be right where you sit. There's not a religious exercise. It's not about promising to try harder and do better. It's about recognizing that Jesus already did everything for you. And right where you are in in your seat, right in this moment, in just a second, I'm going to pray. I'll lead you in this. If you would, in the privacy of your heart before God, say, God, I believe that the cross is true. It's all been a religious symbol to me up until now, but, but tonight I believe that it's true. I believe that my sin is costly. I see it the way you see it now. It deserves a brutal death. I I see the price of Jesus' love. And God, I've been treating this as an option. But tonight I realize that grace as a gift is the only option for me. And if you're connecting with Christ for the very first time, I can't think of a better way to celebrate than on Good Friday to remember the cross, to celebrate communion with a whole bunch of Christ followers For whom the cross is personal. I'm going to pray in a moment and invite you to, to respond in that moment if you've never trusted Christ. And then we're going to respond and then we'll sing. And again, the worship team will lead us out in that. But here's what I want to tell all of you we do this every single year. For some of you, it's just a tradition especially some of you that have followed Jesus for a really long time, it's cute. It's something that we hold on to as a, as a tradition, but what if tonight we allowed it to evoke something different in us? We really allowed ourselves to go there, to think about the cost, to think about the price of love and the value of grace. Grace. The brutality of the cost that Jesus was willing to endure, what those nails cost him, it didn't start as a tradition. It started as something that had never been done before and would never be done again. Would you pray with me? if this evening you've never connected with Christ and there's something about this that just is resonating with you and you realize that the cross has never been personal for you it's just been an option i just want to invite you to to sort of follow me quietly right where you sit in a prayer that goes like this god i realize that this is true not only is it true i'm trusting it i believe that jesus died for me i believe that that he took my guilt on the cross And he nailed it there. I believe he was put in a grave and that he rose three days later. And that he gives me as a gift a relationship with you, everlasting life that begins now. And tonight I'm trusting you and I'm receiving that gift. And Lord, as we continue to celebrate, please don't ever let me forget. God, for the rest of us who are here, who have trusted you, some of us many, many, many years ago. Would you let us look again at the cross and not skim over it and not run past it? And in this moment, as we sit here and we respond, As we sit here and we think about what it was that Jesus took to the cross for us, we're just going to write one word, maybe two. It's symbolic of so much more. But Lord, this is the thing. Would you bring something to our mind tonight that you want to remind us you've already dealt with? And would you allow us to live in the power of a life that's been forgiven, of a Jesus who died for us, And who lives for us. As we respond in these moments, Lord, quietly right where we sit. We pray that we would see the cross again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Doxology Bible Church podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. If you're ever in the Fort Worth area, we'd love to worship with you in person at one of our services. For more information on service times and location, visit doxology.church.